Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show. Join in on a great conversation today with some of the world's great influencers as they showcase great advice and techniques that made them the game changers they are today. Now, here's Tony D'Urso. Welcome. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We're going to chat with someone at the top of their category, an elite entrepreneur. We're going to talk about the six habits of success with Laura DiBenedetto. And just a fast interruption here. Later in this episode, stay tuned for an insider's brief about taking the complexity out of pay equity and wage gaps. Now, we're all listening here today because we want to learn more about success and what it takes to get there. We want to learn from people who make it to the top of their categories. That is what we all want, right? Now, what happens when you achieve so much success that, well, something happens and the bottom drops out? Perhaps you become depressed, disillusioned, throw in the towel. There was a time when I had revenue in the seven digits in my marketing company, and then the bottom fell out with yet another federal regulation and mandate. That happened four times in seven years. I got tired of that. I began podcasting, and that had serious issues after the first year. And again, I had to rebuild or do something else. Now, you've heard many of my guests with similar stories, and Laura has been through this too. And while we're at it, this is all about helping you and your friends turn your vision into reality. We want to help you get very successful at dealing with and beating setbacks and failures. Meet Laura Benedetto. She started a successful marketing business at 19. And in some 20 years or less, she accumulated 18 awards two Torch Awards, and the 40 Under 40 Award at age 23. How impressive is that? She's had multiple appearances on Fox News. She's a speaker. She's a TEDx speaker. She leads workshops, and she helps special interest groups as well. And I'm going to let her share the rest. Let's bring her on. Hi, Laura. Welcome to the Tony D'Irso Show. Hi, Tony. How are you? I'm having the best time of my life here now that I have you on the show. This is so good. I'm excited to learn the six habits of success. Perhaps before we get into that, Laura, can you regale us with your backstory? How did it all start for you? Sure. First of all, thank you so much for having me here. It's it's going to be so fun to talk with you today and share all about um, how people can be successful um, and really dominate whatever they're trying to dominate. My story begins uh, career-wise at 19 years old when I started my first company. Now, I started my first company because I really just did not want to have a typical nine to five job, frankly, because I just don't fit in in that world. It was very square peg, very round hole. So I left, I started my own thing and I learned quickly a lot of things to do, a lot of things not to do. I failed a lot. I won a lot and I steadily grew my company over the years. When I was around 32 or so, I decided to start looking at an exit strategy because I had discovered that uh, 13 years in, which is crazy, at 32, I was already quite tired um, and starting to feel some physical effects of stress, burnout, and things like that. And so what I wanted to do was figure out an exit strategy. I didn't want to sell the company, really wanted to like get cash flow because I was all about those Robert Kiyosaki books and cash flow quadrant. I was like, oh man, that'd be great. Passive income. That's the dream. So I figured out my exit strategy was to 
see if I could bring someone on to run the company for me and earn 49% of the company. So uh, she's there now. She's kicking butt. She's doing a great job. And um, she fired me, which made me really happy. So when I was 37, I got fired. Um, Probably the only time in my life I've ever been happy to be fired. And then I went off to do other things, except I didn't know what the other things were going to be. So I found myself very depressed, alone, not proud of any of my accomplishments, just feeling empty. You know, once I was this big, important CEO, and then now I'm CEO of the dishes and it just, yeah, didn't feel great. So I just started wondering, like if I've achieved so much and I've had so much great success and awards and all this great attention, and yet I'm still not happy, something's obviously wrong. So I started wondering, well, what is happiness really? And uh, if you've seen my TED talk, the question opens with what do the happiest people have in common? This question was bugging me because I did not have whatever those people had and I wanted some. So I went on this crazy quest and research and studies and all these awesome things that I learned to figure out what happiness really is, what success really is, where it really comes from, and how to do life a lot differently. And that's where the six habits comes from is the product of my research and also um, as a result of changing my life so dramatically from crazy workaholic who was, and I'm being very gentle when I say this, extremely grumpy, um, not fun to be around and sick and having physical issues to joyful success magnet um, and just a lot of fun to be around. So the, the natural impetus was to write a book because I felt so awesome. And I really wanted other people to feel awesome too. What's amazing is that you went from a successful marketing career and you went into then being America's happiness coach. You've mentioned that a little bit. Can you take us deeper into the vision that made you go down that road? Because actually you could have done anything you wanted in the world, but you went down this route. What took you down that route and why? Well, the thing about happiness is that it's the best kind of virus. It spreads aggressively. And I love that. Um, I had spent so long achieving success the wrong way um, through selling my health, basically, to the highest bidder by working hours that no human should ever work. I mean, I want to be really clear. I achieved a ton of success, a ton of it. But when I retired, it really forced me to ask the question, at what cost? And a lot of entrepreneurs do that, and they don't measure the cost to their marriages, to their families, to their children, all those missed soccer practices, to their health, to their longevity, to spending time with their aging parents, to friendships. I mean, there, there's such a tremendous cost that goes into entrepreneurship if we do it wrong. When I was able to discover the six habits, I discovered so much more than that. It wasn't just the six habits. It was really just a very different way of approaching life and realizing that not everything and every success you have needs to be the result of blood, sweat, and tears. Some things can actually be easy and joyful. So I started challenging all my assumptions and everything. And I just felt so darn good inside that it made me happy to share it with other people, even just in passing conversation. I mean, I'm telling you, I went from a very overworked, grumpy person to a very happy person smiling all the time. Like I actually have 
the wrinkles on the side of my face now that I never had before because I'm, I smile all the time. And that, that's a huge change. I mean, I was the dragon lady before. I'm, I'm absolutely not proud of it, but I will vulnerably share it. I was not a great leader. And now I have the ability to be a great leader who leads with love and inspiration and like just all the stuff you should lead with. I get to be my best self. So wanting to share that for me felt really organic and really good. And also the more I saw other people be happy, it just made me want to share even more because it's like, oh my gosh, look at the advice I gave you. Like, look at this framework that I've given you to change the way you think. Like, look at all this amazing stuff and what it's doing for you. I can't believe that, you know, you other human took this thing that I discovered and, and took your life from unhappy to you actually believe in yourself. You do great things. You're spending time with your spouse. You're, you're doing things that you never thought you could do. Yeah, that's kind of addictive. I'm going to be really honest about that. Like, it's awesome to make an impact. That is a great purpose to spread happiness and, and see that the result or the, the, what your work is actually taking people down that same path to success as well. And is this on a premise that if a person is happy, they're successful? We've heard, we've heard this banter throughout the years, be happy, you're successful, but it doesn't always happen. There's a little bit more to it. And I want to kind of understand that a little bit. We're, we'll get into the habits in just a moment, but is there any truth or rhyme to this? What is that? How does that phrase rhyme to the Something like that, that if you're happy, you're successful. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. So, I mean, it's like the chicken versus the egg, right? Which comes first. Like, it, believe it or not, like, I mean, you can be successful without being a happy person. It's just going to be a lot harder. So you, do you need to be happy first? No. But I mean, think about it. It's even like the advice that we give people in love, right? The most successful and joyful relationships are the ones that begin with two people who love themselves and they're happy when they come into the relationship because they were happy without the relationship. The people who come into the relationship looking for that thing to make them happy, they don't find themselves as fulfilled. So the same thing can be said of work, of businesses, um, entrepreneurship, things like that. Like the way you enter something informs how you exist within it. So if you enter a business as a very happy person who believes that they're capable and sees the glass half full and goes for it because they're like, yeah, I can do this. I got this. Right. Like success is just easier. It's more fun. And even when you get like a little bit of setback, it's like, whatever, learning opportunity next. Like you're just, you're more resilient. You know what I'm saying? Like you can just, you can just do more and success becomes less of a slog and more of a joyful endeavor. We're talking about the six habits of success with Laura DiBenedetto. And you can find her at lauradibenedetto.com. I'm going to spell that L-A-U-R-A-D-I-B-E-N-E-D-E-T-T-O.com. Laura, let's drill down into the vision path here. And I want to talk about the skills that we need in this current age. What do we need 2022 and forward? How do we acquire them? What led you into the six habits and what they are? Let's open up the floor here and take this one at a time. Sure. So let me start with um, how I discovered all of this. So I had been a student of personal development and like wealth teachers and happiness gurus and spiritual guides and stuff like that. I had been a student of these folks and wonderful thought leaders for a long, long time. 
And yet I still found myself miserable anyway, which I found a bit confusing. It's like, how is it that I've been to all these retreats and done all these things and spent all this money and I'm still a turd? I don't get it. <laughs> so it, be, it just really began with a nagging curiosity and, and almost like a little bit of anger and resentment. I was like, I did all the things. I checked all the boxes. I should be happy. Why am I not? So um, I began by taking everything I'd ever uh, read about. I started reading a lot more, looking for studies, looking for psychology information and you know some great published works out there. And I started looking for patterns and really pulling out everything I'd known. And it, it's, an, it's funny because I found a lot of things that happy people have in common, but I had to go deeper, right? So I found that a lot of happy people tend to exercise, they tend to eat right, they tend to have um, greater financial positions, they tend to live in warmer climates, blah, blah, blah. But there's also a lot of people who don't have those things and they're equally happy. So I was like, hmm, that can't be it. So what is it, right? So I wanted to get really kind of under the hood and get really curious. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues with the six habits of success with Laura Benedetto. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. I'll see you back here in just a moment. So guys, we all know we should eat healthier, but in the fast lane, fast food, convenience world that we live in, it's especially difficult, if not impossible, as some of you entrepreneurs can relate. Who has the time to focus on the nutritional demands of the body to sustain a healthy life? Now, according to medical authorities, people who eat healthy, one, live longer, two, they have less heart disease and diabetes, three, have less cancer. And as you know, it's said that we should eat six cups of fruit and veggies a day. This is so tough to do, especially when you put in long hours and you're often on the go. Plus, I know people who don't like vegetables at all. So how would that be possible for them? Well, guess what? I found a solution for all of us. It's called Field of Greens. Field of Greens is packed with a full spectrum of essential vegetables and fruits, plus science-backed herbs and prebiotics. This is what I need to stay healthy. Now, I know what many of you are thinking, and I thought the same too before I tried this. I'm so used to trying green products, and as you know as well as I, that you have to get prepared for that horrible taste, especially if you aren't using any juice with it. They're sour, gritty, and simply don't taste good. I've been taking Field of Greens for a while now, and so is my wife, and we love it. And guess what? The other day, we ran out of orange juice, but I really wanted my drink. So I just mixed it with water. And you know what? It tasted completely delicious. Really, this product dissolves completely the first time without leaving any sediment at the bottom. Imagine that. You get the entire product the first time, and there's several choices of flavors. Each one's better than the other. Field of Greens works fast, and if you're like me, you'll have more energy, you'll feel healthier, your skin will look healthier, and it can help you lose weight. And I urge you to have your doc compare your old lab work to your new lab work so that you can say, you crushed it. That's the Field of Greens difference. You should join me and take Field of Greens too. And to help you get started, I got you 15% off your first order. Plus, get another 10% off when you subscribe for recurring orders. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code TONY. That's fieldofgreens.com, promo code TONY. Field of Greens, promo code Tony. And I'll spell that 
F-I-E-L-D-O-F-G-R-E-E-N-S.com, promo code T-O-N-Y. Hey, this is the best way to get your daily veggies and fruits to maintain your health and wellness. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You're listening to the Tony D'Erso Show with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his guest. All right, we're back on the Tony D'Erso Show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is about the six habits of success with Laura Benedetto. And please check out my Elite Entrepreneur interviews on Apple Podcasts, or you can find everything back to day one at Tony, D-U-R-S-O, dot com slash podcast. And now, back to the chat with Laura. Well, it's not that they do those things, because if that were true, then the people who don't do those things could not be happy. It's actually why they do those things. So someone who eats really well, um, has a deeper appreciation and love for themselves. Someone who goes to the gym all the time, they're, they're really committed to themselves. Someone who has really good um, boundaries, for example, and they don't allow toxic people around them. I mean, that's, that's different as well. People that kind of wall themselves off from like tons and tons of bad news. These are all really strong success indicators because these people are uh, guardians of how they treat themselves and how other things and other people and life treats them. So that was the things, and it's in six different areas. Um, it's so funny. Like I remember actually figuring this out and thinking, well, duh, these are such easy concepts. The application is what makes it hard because we have a lifetime, 30, 40, 50, 60 years of doing it the wrong way. I can tell you the right way. You're, you're still not going to be able to change it overnight. So the six habits are how you treat yourself, how you feel about yourself, how you appreciate life or don't, how you show up in your life or don't, what kind of energy you allow in and what kind of energy you put out. And there's tidy little titles for these things are known as kindness, acceptance, gratitude, presence, goodness, and intention. And if you can master these six habits, and they are habits of the mind, if you can, set, if you can master these six things, you're free. You are free. Toxic stuff, like you'll be like Teflon. It just rolls right off you. You won't get discouraged. The failure will not slow you down in the slightest. People won't be able to get to you and piss you off at the holiday dinner table when they want to talk about stuff you hate. Like you become impervious and you become almost superhuman when you're able to actually master these aspects of the mind where they become a default for you. And if you think about a habit, Tony, you know this. A habit is something you do unconsciously. You don't have to think about it. You just do it. It's like when you brush your teeth, you probably always use the same hand every time. Try doing it with your other hand. That's going to feel weird. But like a habit is you do the same thing over and over without consciously thinking about it. And that's what I want to get everybody to do here is to master these six habits of the mind to the point where you no longer have to think about them. To be fair, as a business owner who wrote a book and has a 90 day program, it's a terrible business model for you to do the things, master it and never come back. But that is the goal. 
never, ever, ever come back. Master it and be done so you can truly move on with your life. And then every book you ever read, every business adventure you do, every retreat you go on will be sweeter, more effective, and more lucrative for you. When you first mentioned those six habits, Laura, I'm thinking to myself, I know those words and they all just went right over my head. And yet I know the words and we all in the audience, we know sugar, milk, flour, we know yeast, we know vanilla, we know chocolate, we know butter, we know those words. But I dare anyone, I challenge anyone that's never cooked to go into the kitchen and use those ingredients and make a delicious chocolate souffle. It's just not possible. Yet we know the words. So in the same way with your six habits, I've heard those words. Let's take each one at a time and explain it. And why is it so important? Absolutely. By the way, I love, love the way you broke that down. That's where were you when I was writing my TED talk? I needed that kind of power. (laughs) Oh, it was hard to write it. Glad I did. But anyway, um, yeah, we have heard all these words before and they seem so simple. So the first habit of kindness seems really simple, right? But kindness is how you treat yourself. That means no negative self-talk. I mean, none, zero. So when you are truly deeply kind to yourself, you treat yourself with so much love. It's crazy. You are like on the crazy love train with yourself all the time. You look in the mirror, even if you just woke up and ladies, if you've got mascara halfway down your face from the night before, you're going to wake up in the morning and be like, oh, I look like crap. No, 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 no. That is unkindness. It, it, it builds and reinforces the wrong patterns. The kindness would be, I look really good. Look at that. I slept hard. Go me right? You just, you have to train yourself to like reframe things. A lot of times uh, my coaching clients will work with me and they'll be like, oh, I'm kind to myself. But then we start scratching the surface a little bit. And it's like, oh, oh, no, I'm not. Because guess how hard they avoid doing cold calls or the things that are needed for their business. Or they, um, you know, they, they like, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I can't grow my company to a multi-million dollar business. Oh, I can't really is that being kind to yourself? Is that your nurturing parent? Or is that the mean schoolyard bully in your head? Because both live there. You need to fire the schoolyard bully. Bye. And you need to be the nurturing parent with yourself all the time. And this nurturing parent is going to be telling you, you look amazing today. What are you doing? Wow, you are well rested, you know, or I can do this. Hello, I can do hard things. Or I got to go to the sales meeting later and I'm intimidated. Even if it doesn't work out, wow, this is awesome. I get to do this. I get to grow today, right? So there's just, you know, it's a perspective shift in the way you treat yourself in every single thing you do. And it's, it's, it's like sometimes have the damn cake. Speaking of souffles, it is dinner time for me. Don't do this to me, Tony. <laughs> but like have the cake. Do not be unkind to yourself and deny yourself, but also don't abuse yourself the rest of the time. And like, you know, binge eat. That's not kind either, but like give yourself kindness, treat yourself the way you would treat someone that you love very, very much. You know, you would do nice things for them. You would say uplifting, nurturing things. You would say things like, I believe in you, you got this and you look great today. So that's the first habit, habit of kindness. We have to catch ourselves and actually be aware of ourselves because that habit is a habit and therefore is a habit like breathing. You probably didn't pay attention to the fact yesterday that you were breathing. You're probably paying attention to the fact that you're breathing right now because I'm mentioning it. But I tell you for the past month easy, 
I never thought about breathing. I just never thought about it. Yet it's a habit. We do it. The body automatically takes it. So in terms of this negative response to ourselves or attitude or approach to ourselves, we need to be more aware of it. So when we do things, we need to be aware of our focus on ourselves and how we think. And um, I don't want to get into the esoteric or strange or other, you know, 1970s airy fairy, you know, vibes and all that sort of stuff, though there is some truth in some of that, but just simply how you approach yourself and how you deal with yourself. And do you criticize yourself or even criticize yourself in public? I've noticed people, uh, it's, they're very easy to spot when they say something, what I call bad, a bad word when, you know, don't, can't, won't, you know, I, I call those bad words. That's my level of swearing. And when I hear someone swear in a restaurant or a thing, I was like, you don't need to say bad things about yourself. And that's a habit. So how do we become more aware of that? Because it's just like breathing. We don't think about it. And all, the whole day will go by and we're doing the same things. So one thing, Laura, is recognizing the habit. And we got five more to go. But the other is being aware of it. Are there any techniques to being aware of that habit? There are. It really begins with a lot of um, self-inquiry. So because I'm so committed to people actually doing the work um, and, and developing the self-awareness so you can actually hear yourself and find out where it's showing up in your life, with every copy of the book is a free download where you actually have all of um, my coaching materials that go with it so you can do all of the deep self-inquiry and actually discover this. I mean, it's, it's really a series of questions that you have to ask, ask yourself and really just dig into and frankly, get a little uncomfortable with. But there's beauty and discomfort, and that's where the growth is. So everyone that gets my book should absolutely grab the free resources that go with it. They just, you know, it, it, my book is, I think, like, what, eight by five? These fit on an eight and a half by 11. You print them out. You write it in with an actual pen on actual paper. And you sit with it without your digital devices and you be with yourself. And that's how you learn is you just dig. And I give you all the questions to do it with. All right. Good. On that point, let's go into habit number two. So habit number two. So the first one was kindness and how you treat yourself. This one's kind of related. This one is acceptance. This one is how you feel about yourself. It's not so much the behavior and the thoughts and the words. It's actually your opinion. Of yourself. So sometimes people will not forgive themselves for things they've done, paths they've not taken, failures, screw ups, dumb things they've said, or like sometimes like you'll just remember something from third grade at 4 a.m. because that's a great time to think about it that you said something dumb. Like that's not forgiving yourself. <laughs> We've all done it. Um, but the, the thing about um, acceptance is just unconditionally loving yourself exactly the way you are no conditions it's not man you know i really wish i was like 40 pounds lighter i don't love myself that much i hate the way i look words like hate you know that's a that's that's a swear word right like you know we hate the way we look oh yeah that's actually you hating on yourself that's terrible what if you chose to love yourself with the 40 extra pounds are you afraid that it will lead to 60 or could you invite the possibility that perhaps I may actually begin to lose weight the moment I love myself because I'll stop trying to hate my way into weight loss. I can love my way into weight loss. 
it's it's totally different but it's a great example i mean even with um you know with business it's it's how we look it's how we sound it's how we smell it's how we um do everything and it's our opinion of our performance in life if you will how am i showing up today how am i um interacting with other people today am i um, making a good impression on this podcast here with tony today like i need to as my obligation to me to love myself so much that even if the answer is not great in i don't look good i don't feel good i'm overweight i'm doing a bad job i still love me anyway and i'm still worthy of that love and that's really really valuable and that's the principal difference now changing it's very hard it's interesting this second habit i have noticed is the single most difficult of all the six habits because this one is the most deeply ingrained unfortunately we we live in a culture that celebrates when people um, feel badly about themselves and actually works very hard to reinforce it through constantly selling you the next potion or goo or pill or whatever to make you thinner, taller, richer, blah, blah, blah. You're never enough the way you are. I text one of my clients all the time like, hey, by the way, you are enough exactly the way you are. He's always like, oh, thank you so much. I need that today. We need to do that for ourselves. He's still learning, right? But we can ask for help while we're still learning. But you have to remember, like, you are enough right now. You are enough. You are enough and you are worthy of everything you've ever dreamed of. You are worthy of that hot babe you're chasing after. You're worthy of the huge eight-figure company. You're worthy of the yacht in the Pacific if you want it. Like, you are worthy of these things. And you have to deeply, deeply believe that you are enough. And, and this is the unconditional self-love. That is acceptance. That's habit number two. I agree with you. That is one of the toughest things to do. Accept ourselves for what we are, how we are, the way that we are, where we are. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues with the six habits of success with Laura Benedetto. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. I'll see you back here in just a moment. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You're listening to the Tony D'Urso Show with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his guest. All right, we're back on the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is about the six habits of success with Laura Benedetto. If you podcast, let's get you more engagement on your episodes with thousands of visitors checking out your content. Go to TonyDurso.com slash grow and see how we can help you. That's TonyDurso.com slash grow. G-R-O-W. And now, back to the chat with Laura. And if we treat it like a game, Laura, it's a game. And then from there, we want to move it up to another level or another place. But it starts with accepting where you are. I guess in the, if I actually went into a game, wherever you are in a game, you have to accept where you are. If you're playing a board game, you have to accept that this is where you're starting from. You can't start a game or a board game or whatever game you play in the ninth edition, the ninth version, or whatever the nomenclature is for game, you can't start 
near the end and the final round. No, you have to start at the beginning. So just like with a game, you accept where you are. Perhaps that might be a little bit of a tip on how to do it. Because I do see that that's really difficult for people. I get that. And I'm glad it's the, diff- it's the most difficult one. So whew, we yeah. get this one out of the way. That's number two. What's number three? Number three is gratitude. So gratitude is actually the easiest place for people to start by contrast. So um, gratitude is something that it's a way of life. It's not something you do. It's the way you think. And I can't emphasize that enough. It's really a lifestyle. It's the lens through which you look at all of your life, especially the things that don't go the way you want them to. You know, there's gratitude in everything. COVID is terrible. There's things to be grateful for within that. There's, you know, things to be grateful for within uh, every bad situation. When someone dies, when, uh, you know, a company fails, a sales close, you know, a sales pitch that was a swing and it was the biggest opportunity of your life and you blew it. Well, guess what? There's blessings in that too. An example I've mentioned on other podcasts is I've had two miscarriages, uh, maybe more that I just don't know about, but um, I'm not a mom and I'm grateful that it worked out the way it did. I love children. I'd still like to be a mom, but you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I got to be pregnant for a little while. I got to be a mom for like five minutes. Um, And I now have something in common with, you know, millions and millions and millions of women across the world that I wouldn't have had. And I can also be a good um, friend to someone who's suffering a miscarriage, whereas I wouldn't have had that ability to be there for her before. Um, So there's, there's good in things and we have to look right. But it's also good in the people that we love. Like, here's an example. How often, how often have you, sat down and thought about 100 things that you love about your spouse, 100, and then texted them the entire list. I don't think anybody's ever done that, Laura. I have. <laughs> Maybe you uh, have. <laughs> well, and my husband has because he's like, damn, I look like a chump now. I better reply. Yeah, you should. <laughs> <laughs> but like when you live in such a state of appreciation, it makes things so sweet and it changes your perspective. Um, because you can take a frowny face situation and be like, you know, it's okay. I can handle this or something really scary or even something great becomes even better, right? If you're living in gratitude, you'll actually celebrate your wins. Unlike a lot of entrepreneurs who blast past their wins and just go on to the next one, living in a state of continual appreciation as your default mindset helps you win more because you become a success magnet because you're busy success, you know, celebrating your wins. Also, how great is my marriage? We swap hundred lists of uh, things I love about you. It's not often, but it's often enough where it's like, oh. (laughs) I like that on gratitude. It is powerful. And again, when I first heard that word years ago, it went over my head and it sounded so simple. And I tried it. And I found the more that I am grateful for something, the more items or successes that come into my world to be grateful for. And it just keeps going. And I keep being more grateful for everything. And I'm, I'm very appreciative that all these great things happen and that God has smiled on me and just more success comes and more success. And it really does happen. It really does crescendo. We've heard it. We've heard speakers talk about it. 
it is that powerful. So I just wanted to give that a little bit of a extra emphasis. Gratitude is extraordinary as a key to success. All right. So we're at the halfway point. We've done three, three to go. What's number four? I have one more thing to say about gratitude. Then I'll tell you about the habit of um, number four. Uh, the thing about gratitude, I think that um, you just made me think of is that a lot of people will assume that uh, just thinking of 10 things that went right that day, right before you go to bed is sufficient. I cannot emphasize this enough. It is a lifestyle. Every moment of your day needs to be completely soaked in gratitude. So now that we've made that point, let me tell you about habit number four, which is the habit of presence. Presence is being opted into right now. Whatever you're listening to right now, other than the sound of my voice and Tony's voice, put it down. If you're scrolling through Facebook while you're listening, put it down, pay attention. What you actually attend to will blossom. So if you attend to learning, it will blossom. If you attend to watching your children play, your relationship with them will blossom. If you attend to your work, your work will blossom. If you are so fragmented in your attention, and believe me, we are all digital people living in a digital world now, um, it's very easy for our attention to be fragmented. Do you have any idea how much we lose as a result of living in the past, the mistakes we made, living with our noses stuffed in our phones, or in the future worrying about tomorrow or excited about tomorrow? The only moment that's actually real is this one. That's it. Everything else is either a memory or a promise and a vague one at that because prompt tomorrow isn't even promised to us. It's, it's a, it's a vague promise of like, yeah, probably, but not really. Cause you know, people plan and God laughs. So the thing that we need to do is we need to be in the habit of living in our moments. When you're making dinner, put your damn phone down and, you know, maybe put on some music and enjoy and sing along and have a great time. When your kids want to play with you, when you get home from school, don't be grumpy and take your day with you. That was the past. Take your shoes off and play with the Legos or whatever the kids want to do. When your wife is feeling spontaneous and she's like, hey, hot stuff, drop your briefcase and go get her. Like, be present, you know, and enjoy it. That's the thing. Like, it has a lot. To, I mean, it's funny. Habits one and two have a lot in common. Three and four have a lot in common. And five and six have a lot in common. We'll get to those in a minute. But with the habit of presence, you are fully opted into this moment, appreciating how valuable and important it is. This is how memories are made. This is how we learn. This is how we grow. This is how we become the most of ourselves. And this is how we end up leading rich lives that when we're lying on our deathbeds at hopefully 90 plus years old, we're going to look back and go, damn, that was a really good life. I had fun versus, well, I remember all that fun I had on Facebook. You want to live your life. And the more you're opted into truly living your life, the more you are going to, again, find joy in every corner, find success everywhere. You're going to have a blast because you're not being a grumpy, checked out weenie. <laughs> you know, being in the present is a present. And today, as you mentioned, with social media and everything else going on, our phone, our laptop, our computer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There are so many distractions. How can we even stay in the present? There's just so much going on and so much that just grabs our attention. It, has it gone worse over the years or is that my imagination? I think, honestly, your experience 
as an individual of your age and my experience of an individual of my age, I think they tend to correlate pretty strongly with what our parents experienced at the same ages, just probably different stuff. Because the headlines were just as bad then, they're just different now, right? And they, the distractions that we had then, um, you know, are different now. Now we have digital things screaming for our attention. And, and that is, I think, the profound difference. Uh, it's not that the world is insane now and it never was. Hello, if you've ever picked up a history book, things have been pretty nuts basically for all of humanity. So the fact that we're living in this peaceful of a time is a bit of an anomaly. Human beings are not peaceful by default. We're just not. So, I mean, can you imagine the headlines like 500 years ago? Like so-and-so stoned this other dude to death over this much. And can you imagine Facebook in the Middle Ages? Come on, it would have been insane. But the difference is now we have more access. That's the difference. The internet revolution has really changed our exposure to probably the same level of crap, right? So that's where we need to be ultra mindful is that we are living in an unprecedented time where I actually don't think it's any worse than it ever was. In fact, in many ways, it's a lot better, but we are constantly bombarded with it. Whereas once upon a time, we were not. I mean, I was just talking to somebody earlier, like when I was a kid, Facebook, no, there's faces in a book. I'm confused. Like, I remember actually making real legit mud pies. I didn't have an iPad. I didn't even have a big wheel. I wanted a big wheel. I didn't have one. Like I made mud pies. I played in the dirt. I caught caterpillars and frogs and stuff like that. And that was my childhood. Yeah, I think that was probably my dad's childhood too. So, you know, children now have iPads and stuff like that. And it trains them to be uh, hyper bombarded and uh, un- under siege constantly to be anything but present. Well said. And with that, let's go into the next habit. Sure. So the next habit is the habit of goodness. This one really people struggle with, but not as much as acceptance once they realize where, how it's, and how it's running rampant in their lives. So the habit of goodness is how you manage all the energy that you, that you allow in. It's the news you watch, which we were just talking about. It's the social media you consume. It's the people that take too much from you. It's the the, the uncle at the Thanksgiving dinner table that won't shut the hell up about the political candidate you can't stand. It's all the things, right? If you constantly allow those things in, what you're doing is you're inviting the world to abuse you with your consent. That's not okay. So the habit of goodness is to have good boundaries with yourself, with others, and with entities like Facebook, the news, bad stuff going in the world. Don't worry if you don't watch the news, the bad stuff will still happen without you observing it. I promise you. And it always will. Uh, Believe me, Mark Zuckerberg will still be printing his own money if you don't log in today. Like, he'll be fine. And like, there's a lot of different things that you have to be very mindful of. Like, you know, I I like, um, I like some different podcasts, for example. And um, I have to be extremely mindful of the energy of the host when I'm listening to the podcast. Because if their energy is like even like a little bit negative or they're taking on like a slightly yelly tone, I'm like, nope, and just opt out. Because I just realized like, and I know at this point, because I've developed the habit, like, ooh, that's toxic. That's going to mess with my energy. And I'm in a really good zone today. And nope, not worth it. I don't care what you have to say. The world is still a terrible place. I'll get back to it tomorrow. Bye-bye. (laughs) but like you have to have good boundaries with other people, people who wish to take advantage of you, like in business, people who wish to like 
take more from you than they're actually paying for. That's called, that's called scope creep. Yeah. That's when someone's like, Oh, this project is $10,000, but you know, we agree to this amount of work. Can you, can you just do this? And can you just, can you, you'll, can you just all your way into a $15,000 project? You're getting paid $10,000 for that's called someone who's abusing you with your consent. So uh, it's the way people speak to us. It's all these different things. So we need to be mindful of what we allow in right down to the language, the books, the people, the colors in our home, the food we put in our bodies, um, everything. What are you ingesting through all of your senses? All of them, right? And recognizing that we are the product of what we allow in. You know how they say that you're the average of the, the people you spend the most time with? Well, that's true. If you're hanging around with a bunch of negative people who haven't achieved anything and just want to complain and just bitch about the news all the time, do you really think that these people are going to positively impact your life? Probably not. Are, they, are these people going to help you be wealthy and successful and, you know, being a, a spiritually ascended guru? Probably not. But if you hang around with people who add good things to you like that, you're likely to actually achieve it. It is very close to number two acceptance. But if you work at it, it is very different. But at first, when it goes over the head, it's like, oh, yeah, it's the same. But when you start really getting into it with the examples that you've mentioned, it really is very different. And it is a very key habit to get into. Very good on that one. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues with the six habits of success with Laura Di Benedetto. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. I'll see you back here in just a moment. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You're listening to The Tony D'Urso Show with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his guest. All right, we're back on The Tony D'Urso Show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is about the six habits of success with Laura Di Benedetto. And can you help us grow so that we can help entrepreneurs and small businesses the world over? If you can drop a kind review for our podcast on Apple, that would be wonderful. Simply go to Apple Podcasts using any Apple device and search for Tony D-U-R-S-O. Make sure the Tony D'Urso Show shows up in the search and click it. Once that opens up, scroll down, click on ratings and reviews, and then write a review. I thank you kindly. And now, back to the chat with Laura. I believe there's one more left. The drum roll, please. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's funny that you say that they, they have a lot in common. All of the habits actually have a lot of different things in common. And it's crazy when you think about it. This one's related to that one. That one's related to the other one. It's just a big web. You know, it's, uh, it's fascinating, the relationships between the two. But um, if you feel really good about yourself and you accept yourself, habit number two, you're going to allow a lot less toxic stuff in by default. Every habit supports the other one. Astute observation. Thank you for that. And here's the drum roll. The final habit is the habit of intention. That one is all about the energy you put out. So what are you intending on creating today? Anything? Or are you just a piece of tumbleweed just blown in the wind? Are you just allowing the world to decide your mood for you? Are you going to wake up and see what you feel like doing that day? Or are you going to attack your day and decide, I'm going to have a great day. 
Now, this doesn't mean you have to work to attack your day. You could decide what I like to do on Mondays, which is good morning, I'm making coffee and a delicious breakfast, and I'm gonna go out in my garden and I'm gonna do all the things, and I'm gonna come in the house dirty and happy. That's intention. It is what I am putting out for energy. It is also who I wish to be that day, how I wish to feel that day, and honestly, my attention towards my goals and the things I want in my life. And for me, my overall happiness, and I would argue for you too, is integral to my ability to be successful in whatever career endeavor I have. So if I don't garden and I don't make myself the fancy breakfast and I don't do all the things that make me happy, I am able to be so much less successful in everything I try to do commercially because I have not filled myself up with all the things, goodness, that make me happy because uh, I didn't pay attention to that. Then when I need to output the energy, it's not there. So goodness and intention are related. Presence and gratitude are related. And kindness and acceptance are related. They're very, very important. It's three little interesting families that we've got together. But intention is really powerful. It also forces us to do things like having our vision boards and going to tour homes that we can't quite afford yet, but it inspires us because it's like, oh, I'm so close. And you get inspired. You know, like we have to get our enthusiasm and our joy back into our actions. And the more you act joyfully and act mindfully toward what you wish to achieve, be it a lovely garden, working out uh, at the gym or crushing a business goal or going on to the uh, Antarctic cruise you've always wanted to go on, whatever, you need intention to help you get there. And it's something you do every day. And it will help your life become exactly what you want. I love intention. It's my favorite because your life, your business, your success, your bank account, it doesn't grow by itself unless maybe you're an heir to something. But aside from that, or being handed the silver spoon as a a youngster or whenever, if you don't get up off that couch and go walk over and do whatever you're supposed to do, even if you're doing an online business and you're grabbing your laptop, it's not going to do it by itself. So you've got to intend to do it. That is maybe a small little gate, maybe a big gate for some. But once you go through that, these other habits, I see how they actually lead and bolster and help and assist that intention to be successful. And it will be more successful. It's like maybe putting a little bit of a rocket fuel on intention by having those other habits in place. Once again, we talked about the six habits of success with Laura DiBenedetto, and you can find her at lauradibenedetto.com. Laura, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Truly did enjoy them. It was great. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. I would love to keep talking about them. These are great. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate it. And here's an insider's brief about taking the complexity out of pay equity and wage gaps. According to 322 employers responding to Expert HR's 2022 survey on pay equity, Senior management is one root of the cause of existence of pay inequities at companies. And with us is Dr. Zara Nanu, CEO and co-founder of GapSquare, to help discuss survey results and how GapSquare helps companies build fair pay infrastructure through analytics and expertise. Hi, Dr. Nanu, and welcome. Hi, Tony. Thank you so much for having me and for putting the spotlight on this very important issue. Thank you. I'm very interested. I've worked in corporate America for many years. I've seen this, but I'd like to hear it from you. Let's on what is 
pay in inequity and what's a good definition for that? That's a very good question because we see a lot of confusion around it leading to people saying, is it a thing? Is it a myth? Um, and that's largely because pay inequity can be quite a few things. It can be equal pay. So equal pay is when you compare two people in a similar role doing the same thing. Uh, for instance, let's take as an example, two people doing a project management role. In theory, they should be paid within the same pay range. And the only differences in pay should be attributable to things like experience, length of service. Maybe someone has more responsibilities as part of their jobs, maybe management responsibilities. So those are kind of elements that can influence pay and it's okay for pay differences to exist in that case. Uh, so that's an equal pay view on pay equity. You also have a view that looks at averages. So when you have an organization or corporation, looking at comparing the average man to the average woman. And that's where we have a lot of the gaps because that's where we can really see lack of women in senior roles, lack of women in occupations that pay more per hour, like for instance, the high-tech roles that we see in our digital economy and a lot of other factors that contribute to kind of the reasons why an average man and an average woman in corporate America earn completely different wages. When I worked in corporate America, which is probably like 32 years, in one particular company, which was an umbrella company, the, and I was the VP sales and marketing, the other VP sales and marketings were making different amounts. And it was just so weird, yet I'm in the same company. And I've seen it with other, like HR and so forth. I was able to see that, let's call it on a micro scale, within just the same people are running it and, and deciding on different pay. You've mentioned a little bit about this. Let's drill a little bit more into what factors really can cause pay inequities and why? Well, some of our research has shown that a lot of it comes down to manager decisions and manager decisions, particularly around kind of individual pay decisions when it comes to bringing someone new into the business or offering a career progression and a kind of a, a, an opportunity to grow for someone internal. Um, so what happens usually, you have those two people, like, you have people in the project management role, they earn around within the same pay grade. So say they are between 90K and 100K, but then you want to bring someone new to do a project management role. The market looks different. You're pressed by the, by the business to hire them today. So you actually make an offer of 130 to that new person just because you want to lock them in today. You want to bring them on board. What that creates immediately from day one is a big discrepancy between this new project manager and the existing project managers within the business. And that's how it all starts to grow and starts to kind of the gap starts to become larger and larger with time. I see that there's no oversight. And it's interesting that when I used to, you know, get out that uh, curriculum vitae and pass it around and see. And the first thing I would do is, what should I ask for as a sales executive or a marketing executive? And I noticed around the country, this is the United States, this is like, this is not, not even international. Major discrepancies, 50,000 or more per year, $75,000 per year, just because you live in a different city, yet you're doing the same thing. So, and I believe that there's a responsibility here at Gap Square, excuse me, at Gap Square, your company. How can you help companies achieve pay equity, I guess, around all types of positions? 
Yeah, absolutely. And the thing you raised is actually a really interesting one around geography. And we see a lot of companies try to understand where's next for that, because you have a lot of high-tech executives from Silicon Valley currently moving to Wyoming and Montana. And of course, the cost of living there is lower than, say, in San Francisco. But what you also have is the fact that they had higher wages in San Francisco because they are, these are high-paying roles. So we are witnessing this kind of difference where companies are saying, well, why should we continue to pay you San Francisco wages in Laramie, Wyoming? Whereas people in Laramie, Wyoming are saying, yes, please bring these high-paid executives here because it will raise wages for all of us and it means we all get to be paid a little bit more. So it's kind of creating a lot of conversation around what does pay actually mean in the new post-COVID world where a lot of people can work anywhere and is the job paid because of the cost of living or is it paid because of the value that you bring to the company? So these are all conversations people are having and this is where GapSquare is looking at innovating and bringing data and tech together to help businesses set their own pay philosophy and understand how do they wanna move forward? Do they wanna move forward and pay by value and by skill and what the employee brings to the company and set their pay that way? Do they wanna to continue to do it on a, on a kind of state by state, geography by geography level? So these are all questions that, that we wanna give companies the space to decide, but we also wanna make sure they utilize the existing data and the existing internal benchmarking to understand where their pay internally is, how it compares to the external world, and, and where the current gaps within their business are. You made me think of one thing, and that is pay, the pay scale, the pay range based on cost of living. I recall one time my wife and I, we were looking at going to Hawaii because she could make double the income. It was like, really? You could make double the income? Just go to Hawaii. That's great. So we started looking at the cost of living, which was three times what we what we were paying. And then as I went through through the you know the country where would we like to live, I noticed that pay was commensurate to the cost of living. How does it get this kind of marker or tag and and why? Is just because, well, it costs this much to rent, so therefore we're gonna pay you this much. It seems to be that's kind of how the decisions were made. Yeah, so there's a lot of work that is happening in the background by Department of Statistics and looking at how what the cost of living is. In addition to that, you have things like minimum wage, you have living wage, you have what companies in the similar kind of industry are already paying in that geography that also can dictate. If, if you're coming into Ohio, you need to look at what other companies in Ohio are offering before as a company you start offering wages. Because if you're going off the mark and going so much lower than everybody else nobody's going to want to come and, and work for you so the, this is significantly having an, it's having an impact on how companies are deciding pay and also increased transparency is doing that too we see a lot of websites and platforms that are giving employees the opportunity to talk about their pay so you have platforms like glassdoor blind built it where people are just talking about how much they were offered where what, what, what kind of role was it? What other benefits were included? How much they were able to negotiate? And that is opening an entire new platform for people to be like, oh, hang on a second. So if I go to Twitter, I can, I can ask for this much. I can ask for 350 because they offered me 250 for a similar role. So that's giving people the kind of ammunition to go in and negotiate. And it's also making companies think about setting more structure 
within their pay because at this rate they're going to end up creating a lot of discrepancies and a lot of uh, inequality within who gets paid what. For the owner, the business owner, the entrepreneur, what resources do you have? What suggestions would you have for them so that when they say, oh, I like this person, I want to bring them on, that person sticks with them? Maybe asking for too much in today's society. I'll let you comment on the rest. Yeah, so this is, this is a great question. We have a lot of resources that we make available to all of the employers around the world where they can see a lot of things about pay and how to analyze pay and where to start with how people look at data and pay. Where do you even start? What kind of data do you need? So we, we have a lot of resources on our website on gapsquare.com slash lead the change. So those are, those are easily available to anyone. And I think the main things are about have starting a conversation with, you, with your employees is a big thing. We find that companies who don't talk about wages and don't talk about wage gaps to their employees actually have a more negative perception amongst employees about what the gaps actually are. So the gaps can actually be quite low, but people think they're high because no one is talking about them. When no one is talking about them, it means something's not right. Dr. Nanu, thank you so much for briefing us on your new research. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tony. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me while I featured an elite entrepreneur who took her vision to reality. I'm quite motivated to go through this again. We discussed the six habits of success with Laura Di Benedetto. And by the way, make sure to check out her book, The Six Habits. You'll find it on Amazon, as well as through her website, lauradibenedetto.com, L-A-U-R-A-D-I-B-E-N-E-D-E-T-T-O.com. We went through the six habits, and I have a question for you. How many of these do you really have well in place? So well that you always do them instinctively, all the time? And on the reverse, how many habits need some work? I'd like to know, so please tell me on Twitter or in the comments section if you're watching the video. My Twitter is at Tony, D-U-R-S-O. And I appreciate your listening, and I look forward to your tuning in again next week. Please remember supporting the show with a nice review on Apple Podcasts. If you ever get a chance to hop on there, I would greatly appreciate this. And one last request, share this with a few friends to help them too. It's all about friends helping friends. All right, use this and let's help you move on your journey to success. Thanks and remember, just take action. Success awaits those who persevere and remain steadfast despite the odds. Sow good seeds, do good deeds. And join me on the next episode of The Tony D'Urso Show. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of The Tony D'Urso Show with his key influencers. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel.